0: The life of a believer is not you surviving. As a matter of fact, it's well beyond you just having to get up and make it and to the end of the day so you can go to bed and do it all again tomorrow. No. Every day gets better in the believer in the life of a believer. That's why he says your ladder's greater than your former. Alright? Every day I get up and live as a believer, not as a Christian. Listen, I wanna I want to, I wanna tell you although We are Christians. I don't try to live a Christian. I get up and where I put my energy in is put my energy into believing. Because if I will put energy into being a believer, instead of somebody that don't cuss, somebody that don't, you know, get angry, somebody that walks around smile and all my energy I'm not saying I'm saying that's all good. I'm saying if that's what you're putting all your energy into doing is to act right behavior modification, you're missing out on what God has for you. Because He don't want to change your behavior. He wants to transform your life. Amen. He wants to make you into the very image of His Son. Yeah. And He's doing well and doing all the work. So when in this series, living the life. Pastor Jerry preached on the life of faith. I talked on the uh, life of a believer as a, life, as a person that prays. And we've been through several series. Today, this one's going to kind of preface it coming into next month. Alright? But how many guys enjoyed the prayer service? You just said yeah"? yeah? Man, see, this is not ritual. What just took place, these songs that were sung, I can tell you that there were some people that just sang them. There were some people that just enjoyed them. But then there were some people that used them. Yeah. And what using the tools that God has given us is what makes your life into what God has created your life to be. Alright, there. let me say it like this, alright? So, you know, a lot of people wonder what God's purpose for life is. i you want me to break it down completely for you? What God gets up every day and works toward in our lives. Number one... The purpose of God is to see men that were separated from God come back to God. That's so what God does. Every, that's the most important thing on God's heart and on His agenda. Is men that are separated from God to come back into relationship with God. That means people getting saved. That's number one. Number two is that God wants to take those men that He has brought back to Him and use them to bring heaven down to earth. That's what God's total purpose and His agenda is every day. One is to bring men that are separated from God back into relationship with Him. And then number two, those that He has brought back to Him is to reach into heaven and bring it down to earth. We do that through several ways. We do that through, number one, prayer. That's why Jesus said, pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's why believers are prayers. And we don't just pray begging. We learn all the types of prayers. We do bring our requests to the Lord. We do come and worship and seek the Lord because worshiping and praise, what we just did, is powerful. And it's very important, I bring this up today before I go on because you'll get it in just a minute. But in Matthew chapter 1 verse 3, that's probably the most boring chapter in the New Testament, is Matthew chapter 1. But it's got some of the most powerful transformation statements in there. If you've ever read Matthew chapter 1, it says so-and-so begat so-and-so and so-and-go begat so and so and so and so begat so and so You also read that before? And right in the middle of all the begatting you get bored. But in chapter the verse 3, it says this, and Judah begat Perez. Alright? That's a pretty big statement right there if you all greeked out and geeked out and you've been to theology school, and you know what these words mean, most people know what Judah means, right? What's Judah mean? Praise. Alright, so he said, Praise begat Perez, which means breakthrough. You want to know how to break into this life as a believer? One, you got to learn how to be a praiser. And see, what we just did in here was not ritual habits. It was not singing or entertainment. What it was for some was it was an opportunity to break through what the enemy's been trying to hold them back in. Yeah. Yeah. And the promise of praise is breakthrough. That's pretty awesome, isn't it? Pretty awesome. God has given us all these amazing tools to take our lives into what he intended them to be. The reason why his main purpose is this to take Men that don't know God, bring them back into relationship with Him. Then those men are to bring heaven down to earth. The reason that He wants to do that is so there is a difference between believers that have come into the knowledge of Christ and those that haven't yet. Because honestly, if there was no difference in me before I was back in relationship with God and after I'm back in relationship with God, why would anybody want to do it? Because if there's not, you want me to tell you what that is. If there's not a difference, that's religion. That's tradition. That's ritual. That's us trying to be a Christian. But when you actually come back into relationship with God, and now you understand that I'm not a Christian, although that's what they call, I'm a believer is what Jesus called them. I'm a believer. I now am a tool used by God to bring heaven to earth. But well, what's in heaven? Everything Everything in heaven is the way God wants it. There's no sickness. There's no depression. There's no divorce. There's no kids not serving the Lord. There, everything in heaven lines up exactly with what the will of God is. Now, we want God's will in our life But we don't understand a lot of times just getting saved doesn't do it. Getting saved gets you to heaven when you die. But getting saved and you becoming a believer positions you to be able to reach into the supernatural world and pull heaven into your world. And that's what God, and the reason why God wants you to do that and the reason why God's called us to be believers is because those that aren't see the difference. There has to be a difference in a believer's life and a unbelievers life or why would they want what we have God even put it into contrast like this he says I've made you a light do you know one of the major um, attributes of a light is bugs are attracted to it that don't make any sense to me because bugs are a lot safer in the dark but God has ingrained into a bug that when it sees a light they'll just Bump on that glass and bump on that glass and bump on that glass. It's weird. But the same thing works with unbelievers. When we actually become a light, they see hope in us. They see power in us. And they see transformation that God has done in us. And it draws their life. Because, you know, it's not me preaching on hell that's going to get people saved. It's what the Bible says. How many of you guys grew up in church and you were scared the hell out of you. (laughs) Alright? I had to watch all the old 70 movies about the Lord coming back and people getting their heads chopped off and man, I got the hell scared out of me a lot of times. I spent a lot of Sundays on the altar scared. Problem was when I got had moves like that that would usually last until I was hanging back out with my buddies. And then the hell found its way back in. Alright? right. Because it's not you being afraid of dying and going to hell and not being right with God because that draws people to God. The Bible actually says it's the goodness of God that draws people to repentance. Alright, so where is the goodness of God supposed to be at in their life? For an unbeliever, there's not a whole lot of goodness of God. There's mercy available to them. But they are to be able to see... The goodness of God in the believers. Does that make sense? Because when I wasn't living for the Lord, I didn't have a whole lot of God's goodness going on for me. Did you? And so, how was I to be drawn? It was the others that had allowed God to move them into relationship with them, and then God started doing so many good things in their life that, man, I was sitting over here thinking, I want to be like that. That's the life I want. I want. And it drew me into the relationship that God... And so this is the truth. When we don't live the life that God's called believers to, we become a block for those that God's wanting to draw in. It's almost a heavy responsibility for us to quit being so-called Christians and us begin to live the life of a believer. And on this series, I've been trying to draw the difference in what believers are life looks like versus what just saved people's lives look like. Now, understand, I'm not denying that you can be saved, but you can still be saved and sick and depressed and, you know, bad marriage and crazy kids, and, but that's not God's will for you. God's will for you is to move into the life of not just being saved, but being a believer. And the way that happens is this. These signs, the Bible says, will follow them that believe. That means this, there should be some signs in our life that they should see makes us different than them. Well, what are those signs? Well, the Bible says you will know them by their fruit. Alright, so God's plan or His goal in life is to see people that are away from God come back into relationship with them, and then those that have come back into relationship with they're to bring heaven to earth. Their life is supposed to get good. And it gets better and better And we begin to live a supernatural life What a supernatural life is Is a life that is better than natural Alright So we live a supernatural life The way that is Shown is there are two things Present in a believer's life One, they walk and live In the love of God This is big Now you gotta understand That love means agape love when you come into the knowledge of Christ and they accept You as Savior, you need to understand and believe that you are now agape loved. You're loved unconditionally. You're loved all the time. You're loved no matter what you've done. No matter, you are so loved that the love overshadows any mistake or anything you've ever done. And if you can't get this concept, I'm telling you, you'll never be able to reach into heaven and bring it into earth. Because you'll constantly be battling what you've done, where you've been, and who you were. I've told somebody this just a few months ago. They were talking about what had taken place in the past. So you understand, that wasn't even you no more. That's not, there's two different people. Because that was the you that didn't know God. This is the you that does, and you are so loved that the agape love of Christ is so... He gave His life for this relationship with you. So you got to get that. But then number two, He comes to give love, and He comes to give life. Now, the word in the Bible, the, Greek, the way it uses, number one is agape. That's the love. All the time, unconditional, no matter what, you can't get out of it. That's the love. The life the word in the Bible uses is called zoe. Zoe is an empowered and excited, another way to say it is a fruit-filled life. God has called you into a God they love and He's empowered you to live a zoe life. A fruit-filled life. The problem is... Because a lot of us stay saved and Christians and don't move into the realm of a believer, we don't experience this fruit-filled life. All right. All right. People should be able to look at my life and see fruit in it that proves that I'm a believer. And it's just not I'm nice, because there's a lot of unsaved nice people. It's not just uh, that I'm, I'm i go to church, there's a lot of unnice people church-going people, alright, it's not habit, but it's life in my life, does that make sense? Alright, so that's what we're after, so today I want to preach a topic, and the title is going to be Take the Lid Off, because there's a lot of people that are saved, but they're not living the life, because they hadn't taken the lid off. You guys have ever, uh, tried to get into a medicine bottle that had a child safety lock on it. Man, I, 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 love it. I, I know I'm hateful, but I do it to the kids all the time. I pitch them a bottle and say, Hey girls, open that for me. Like, mm, I got a 13 note. You still can't open these. I think it's so funny. I'm like, girl, you're 13. Can't even open that bottle. And it, because what did that bottle was designed for the few? To get into it. The smart or the older or the... I want you to know something. This life that God's called us to live doesn't have a child-proof lid on it. As a matter of fact, the Bible said this. It's easier for a child to live this life than it is for an adult. Because why? It's so simple to get what God has for us. What He created for you to be because He needs you to live in this life as much as you want to. Why? Again, it goes back to it, because his desire is for other people to want to come into the same life that you have. Amen. Does that make sense? I'm trying to make say I'm going to make it real simple today, but then um, I'm wanting to preface next month. I believe every service is going to be power packed enough that we're going to see the power of God function, flow, and move for the believers. Amen. Amen. So my job is to get you as believers. So I want to read a story real quick. Be alright with you guys? Uh, well, first, this, is, this says in Mark chapter 16, verse 17, it says this, And these signs shall follow them that believe. Now, there's a lot of Christians that say, God, if you'll heal me, I'll believe you're a healer. And that's not the way believers live. It says these signs follow them that believe. The Bible says it's a wicked and perverse generation that is just seeking signs. Alright, that's a hard scripture. But, because if you're on this side and God, you're needing God to do something so you will believe, you're not a believer. You're being somebody that had to be proven to. Alright? Believers work this way. You believe, then it happens. And that's a hard concept, but I want to lay it out in a story here in the Bible that shows it very clear. It says, These signs shall follow them that believe. Luke 7, verse 11, I want to read it to you. And it is in the uh, New King James Bible, guys. I went and researched somehow. I just printed off the wrong thing. But it is in the New King James Bible version. Put Matthew, I mean, Luke chapter 7, verse 11, it says this. I love the verbiage of the New King James. All right? It says, Now, it happened. Alright, so let me draw this out real clear. When is this life supposed to be working for you? Right now. Right now. So many of us think, well, you know, I know God's going to. I believe God will. No. Now is when it's supposed to be happening. The Bible says faith, it says now faith is. We keep wanting to make faith future. If it's not, if your faith is still working toward the future, that's hope. Hope says tomorrow will be better than today, which is okay because that's the beginning of faith. But faith, it says now faith is to, for you to walk into the life of a believer, you got to quit waiting on God to do something for you later and start believing that God has already done it right now. Now faith is. And so, what does it say? It says, now faith is, that's kind of a definition of what faith is, is faith is right now. And then when you read this, it says, now it happened. Well, what's the definition of now? According to Hebrews 11.1, 1, it says, now faith is. So you can say it like this, faith just happened. All right, all right. This is the life of a believer. You say, well, Cricket, I can't wait for God to do this. Well, when you get to the point of faith, you've got to be doing it right now. Right. Because it says it, faith just happened. I love watching faith just happen in my life. I I gotta, I would love to think it hits every day, but there, truth be told, there's some days that I'm struggling in my belief. And I'm believing God for something and believing God for something. And that's the word believing God for something instead of I believe God. If you're putting an ING on your believing, you're putting hope in your faith. You're gonna have to take the belief and make it now and change, it will transform to being your God has doing it and done it. I'm not waiting on nothing. And this is a picture in this story of how this happens. And I'm praying that you get this, okay? It says, now it happened. In other words, faith just worked. And I'm telling you, faith works every time. And when does faith work? It works right now. Not tomorrow, not next week. Now. So you get to get in your heart that Faith is now, not later. I'm not believing; I believe God has. All right, and so it says, this. the day after that he went into a city called Name." Now that word "Name," the name of the city, is the word "beautiful." If you look up the definition, that word "Name," he went to a city called Beautiful. All right, it says, "And many of his disciples went with him, and a large crowd. And when he came." Was being carried out. So he was coming up to the gate. And they were having a funeral possession. Coming out of the gate. Let me draw a picture for you. They were coming out of a beautiful place. Into a graveyard. They were coming out of life. Moving into death. That is what the devil's plan for your life is. He's planning. Man, your business may have been functioning well last year, but the devil wants that business to move into decline this year when the, if we go into a uh, recession. Your marriage, it was awesome the first year, but the devil's plan for it is for you to come out of a beautiful place and you to move into somewhere where it eventually ends in a graveyard or in a divorce court. God's, the devil's plan, the Bible says, is to come to steal, kill, and destroy. But it says, but I came to give life. All right. So the devil is here. It says the devil comes only to steal. He he comes actually to to do that. But you understand that God comes with life, and then it says this and life more abundantly, a bunch of life. All right. And then it said this. It says so they came out of name and many of the disciples were with them the of and all that. And he came near the gate and behold a dead man was being carried out, only the son, the only son of his mother. And she was a widow and a large crowd from the city was with her. All right. And it says, when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her. All right. I want to stop. I'm going to break this down real quick. You saw her and it gives a description of who she is. This was a lady at one point that, man, had a wonderful life. And obviously, all of her dreams were coming true. She had met a guy and got married. And they were obviously in love because they produced fruit. And when they had this kid, then tragedy took place. Somehow her husband had died. Alright, when her husband died, that's bad. That's that's a bad thing in those days because women weren't allowed to work and do um, supply for the home. If they did, it was shady work. Alright, but they they the women solely depended on the man to take care of her that's not aren't you glad we don't live in, aren't you glad we live in a world where God is changing wrong concepts of men constantly that women are as equal as they do that we are God made us both in His image one don't serve the other women should shout for that I say, saying that to say this too aren't you excited to see what God's doing in our Supreme Court right now man sanctifying life and, and taking care of with the turnover of Roe vs. Wade man God is doing things God is doing things, and people are saying, you know, our, if um, uh, if you know, how can God give a revival in America with America being so far off base? Can you not see that God's getting America in line again for revival to come? I'm so excited. I mean, I don't care where you stand on it, but I do want to bring this out. There's people all over the map on this Roe Roe versus Wade thing. Some are saying that. Yeah, Christians won. And there are some saying, You've taken away our rights. Let me say this, how the Christians are supposed to respond. The same way Jesus responded here at this funeral. He came up and He had compassion. I've been heartbroken a lot this week by watching what some people have been posting online because of the Roe versus Wade thing. I've not seen Christians be as hateful as I've seen them since the vaccination stuff. I mean, they're really tearing Now, Jesus showed up and there was a desperate, broken family here. And the first thing that Jesus had was compassion. I want to challenge you. I believe the hand of God did this in our Supreme Court this week. I need to have compassion on those. That are going through stuff. And the way they feel about it is real. So what we have to do is with compassion. The Bible says speak the truth in love. I want to challenge everybody in here that has an opinion on the Roe versus Wade. If you're saved, put some love in your truth. Okay? Because it's been hard. And when you bash this thing, the way I've seen it bash, those that have... Been through abortions or had abortions, or you know, those are man—they're the ones left in the in the target of the of the rhetoric going on. So, no matter what your opinion, I want to ask you: do it with love, do it with some compassion, care about the people that maybe. But I believe God's turning this nation back for revival, but I also believe as believers we have to have some compassion on some people. I don't know how this marriage. Or how the kid died. I don't know if it was lifestyle. I don't know if it was hereditary death. But I know this when Jesus showed up and found them in this state, he had compassion. That's how we're supposed to do. Believers are supposed to have compassion. They don't need judgment all the time. That's the Holy Spirit's job. For us, we need to have some compassion Amen. and love some people. Amen. That's totally all. But, all right, so say, say So stay with Carrie. So she's done been through some stuff. She, Her husband, that's bad. Now, she couldn't take care of herself. But by law, the son was to take care of the mother in the future. That was the Jewish standard for the day. So even though her husband died and she went through that grief, she still had a future because she had a son. But then when he died, her life was basically over. She had no future, no way to go forward, and was just going to have to deal with whatever life threw her way. That's a pretty bad situation. And so the picture of her coming out of the gate of beautiful and toward a graveyard of death was really a picture of what direction her life looked like it was going in. And you may be here today and your life has been through some traumatic stuff. And I don't belittle any of that. And you feel like your life has moved out of once when it was good. Now you're just moving into what's left. And I'm here to tell you this. As the Bible says, as she was coming out the gate, Jesus was coming in it. Amen. And if you will just understand that Jesus cares about what you're going through, it says he had compassion. Jesus cares about your relationships. He cares. Pebbles, Jesus cares about your puppy. I saw that online. I know that's heartbreaking. Jesus cares. A lot of times we want to want to throw the things we care about to the side and try to make it super spiritual or that it don't really matter yet. No, it matters. Jesus had compassion on this lady and Jesus has compassion on you. He cares about your stuff. He cares if you're happy. He cares if you're okay. He cares if you're depressed. He cares. And the truth of the matter is this. If you believe that Jesus cares, it's only a matter of time before Jesus is going to show up. But let me go a little bit farther than the story. says this. It says, And when the Lord saw her... Now, that's a real important word. You can underline it. Because this is the word that changes this entire story from being like any other story. The word Lord here. Okay, I'll come back to it in a minute. He said, He had compassion on her and said to her, Do not weep. He said, Then he came and touched the open coffin. This is very important because at this point, I fully believe that this lady was a believer. I don't believe she was needing to be saved. I don't believe she was, you know, living away from God because this one word here, open, tells me unbelievably about who she was. She'd been through some stuff. Let me be clear with you. Just because you're saved and you're a believer don't mean you're not going to go through some stuff. As a matter of fact, it's absolute proof. That you're going to. It's absolutely because if you... And when you got saved, if you weren't about to go through some stuff, you wouldn't need to believe that God's a healer. He's a supplier. He's a miracle worker. He's a promise keeper. You wouldn't need to believe any of that because just getting saved would fix it. So Jesus even said, this life is going to be full of trials and tribulations. But the thing about it is, they don't end bad for believers. But if you're just saved, it can end the same way for an unsaved person as it can for you. There's a lot of saved, saved people in heaven today that died from cancer. There's a lot of saved people in heaven today that died in car wrecks or died earlier in their life than they should have. Why? Because they were saved, so they went to heaven. But I'm telling you, anyone that became a believer in their life the promises of God did not fail. And so, here the Bible says this. The Bible says, she was coming out in, the ba- in a bad situation on a bad day. You can't judge a book by its cover. I mean, by, on a page in a story. You can't judge it. She was coming out of a beautiful time in life, going into a hard place. And Jesus was coming into it at the same time. Let me tell you what I believe Jesus came into it for. Because, see, that word open coffin is a weird word. Because most coffins are closed. Especially when they're being taken to the graveyard. Now you've been to a funeral where they had an open casket where people can say their final goodbyes. That's not what was happening. They were carrying this coffin and they didn't put a lid on it. Now let me tell you what that means. What that means is this. Even though she was in the middle of a bad situation... And she was coming out of a hard time and going toward what it seemed like even a worse one. She kept the door open, the top off, because she was believing at any point Jesus could show up and turn this thing around. If she would have put, a, if she'd have put a lid on it, she would have said, it's over, I'm done, let's go bury him and go on. But she didn't. They walked in this funeral possession with an open coffin Because I'm convinced this lady was a believer. And just because God hadn't done it then didn't mean God wasn't going to do it in the next step. And so she just kept stepping. And she just kept stepping. And she wouldn't put a lid on it. She wouldn't close the deal. She wouldn't accept the way it was because the way it was was not what the Word had said it was going to be. And she kept stepping and she kept stepping and even when she couldn't see Jesus on the distance or on the other side of the wall, every time she took a step, the Bible says she was going this way, He was coming this way. He took a step, she took a step. He took a step too until they finally came to a place at the gate and they met. Now, let me ask you this. Would Jesus have passed them by if the coffin would have been closed. I believe 100% He would have. Because that exact word, pass them by, is used when the Bible says the disciples were in a boat in Mark chapter 4, and there was a great storm came upon them. And the Bible says Jesus was up on the mountain watching the disciples toil at the storm he saw them struggling and this is what it says it says and jesus got up and he came walking by on the water and this is what it says it said he would have passed them by can god pass people by absolutely Do you know why god passes people by when there's an absence of faith there's always an opportunity for a missed miracle and so when they, but the Bible said this, it said He would have passed them by until the disciples began to cry out to Jesus. They began to cry out to Him. I'm telling you, there has to be the process in our lives for us to move into life of an opening of the door or us taking the lid off. There's that
1: Jesus has the power.
0: Jairus' daughter was dead. Jesus rose her. Jesus Himself had even died, and Jesus Himself rose from the dead. But do you know one thing Jesus never did? He never took the top off or opened the door. You need to get this. When it came to Lazarus, and He came to Lazarus' tomb, first thing He told him, He said, Remove the stone. Alright? When He got to Jairus' daughter, first thing... Clear the door, clear the house. When He came to even His own death, the Bible says He did not roll the stone away. It says the angels rolled the stone away. See, a lot of believers are sitting, living in their situations, wanting God to do something, but they're not willing to take the lid off so that God can. What is the lid that needs to be removed? Man, we have so many lids in our life that keeps God from doing miracles. And so because we don't take these lids off, man, God is limited. The Bible says Jesus went to Nazareth and could do little miracles because of their unbelief. Man, can you believe that your faith has the power to stop Jesus? Your faith has the power to stop Jesus' work in your life. And if you're not willing to pull the lid off, I mean, how weird do you think everybody thought she was? Says, alright, we're gonna have a funeral, don't, and they probably understood when they were in the church, leave the casket open, but when they loaded him up on the shoulder and they started walking, they went to close, no, 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 take the, don't just leave it open. Take it off. They did not understand, I'm sure. Bible says there was a whole crowd there with her, and she was crying, and they were with her in it. There was a lot of sympathy going on that day for her. But I love the fact that God does not, does not judge us when we go through rough emotions, but if we can still walk in faith. All right. All right. Did you know you're never going to walk in faith and have an absence of fear? It's been taught fear and faith are opposite, correct? You're either living in faith or you're living in fear. No, that's not the way it works. Any area of your life that fear is not trying to come in the door, there is no faith. It takes the presence of fear for there to be faith in activation. Faith is being afraid and doing it anyway. Trusting God that He's not going to leave it this way. Faith. I don't know how I'm going through. They put that up and they took the lid off. And they're like, why are you taking the lid off? He's dead. let us We're supposed to cover it and go. And But she said, no, leave this thing open because I don't know how, but I know my God. And this is my future. And he is not going to let my future be worse than my past. So I'm going to leave the wet door off until I get to a place where Jesus turns this thing around. And I'm going to keep stepping, I'm going to keep walking to what the devil has tried to destroy, God brings back to life. Do you know how many marriages I've seen close because the believer in the relationship finally got tired of believing? And said, well, I'm fine, I'll just commit a divorce. Or you don't know how many times I've been at deathbeds with people. And I've been doing this a long time now. And man, I've never seen it not one time that the person when it got when that the sickness may have prolonged and prolonged and prolonged and prolonged, prolonged, that they didn't get to a point and say, you know, I'm just tired. Yes, yes. And when they accept the tired, they put a lid on it. Yes. And when the lid comes on it, guess what that does? That keeps God from being able to change it. All right, All right. When we put lids, or loudly, I, I say, it like this, you know, I remember
1: when the church was praying in
0: jail. Every door was closed. And the Bible says the church was praying at midnight. An angel appeared before Peter, and he came and he began to unlock doors, and, and Peter walked out. It says he walked all the way to the church, the house that they were praying. It says he reared back, he knocked on the door. It says a girl came to the door and said, "Who is it?" And he said, "Peter." And she didn't open the door. And she ran back to where the others were. How many miracles have we been believing God for that God has been trying to knock on our door, but we're not willing to take the lid off of some of our beliefs, some of our experiences, some of our past pains, some of what we've gone through, to allow God to actually do what God can do instead of do what we expect or what we think is just going to take place. A life of a believer is a life that takes the lid off of every situation in his life and believes, no matter how bad, how hard, or which way it goes, I'm going to believe that God is going to turn this thing away on the way He says He's going to. Every time she took. Now, the secret to this is this. This is the secret. Remember, I told you to underline that word, Lord. This is the secret to this whole thing. Why? was this woman such powerful in faith that even though she'd love... And check this out. She didn't let a past experience set in stone the way God would do it in the future. Because obviously she'd done been through one funeral. And obviously Jesus didn't show up at that one. Because it still says she's a widow. What the devil loves to do is to try to show you areas of your life where... It didn't turn out the way you thought it would, and it put God in a box to keep Him from doing anything in your future. But see, even after the first—I don't know if the first funeral she took the lid off, waiting for God to show up, and they made it all the way to the grave and buried him. And I don't know if she did or if this was the first time or the second, but I know this: it was odd for her to do that. So, what made her do that? It was the way she saw Jesus. Is the way she saw Him. A lot of us see Jesus as our Savior. Jesus as our friend. Jesus as the Redeemer, the Restorer. But see, she saw Jesus as her Lord. Okay. And when Jesus is your Lord, it's different than Jesus being your Savior. Yes. Jesus being your Lord is the hardest way for a secular person to see Jesus. Because Lord means He's the boss. Lord means He's in control. And the thing about believers and the thing about humans is this. None of us like to be controlled. All of us are fighting something in our life to keep from controlling us. That's your human nature. Let me show you what took place. They met them at the gate. The Lord met them at the gate, it says. What is the gate? You've got to understand who you are. You are a spirit and you have a flesh. And those two are always at war with the other. Just like in this picture, there was name, beautiful, and grave death. They were right at a gate. And this is what takes place. Your spirit, the spirit of a believer, is always fighting your flesh. Where the battleground takes place is at the gate. And the gate is your soul. You are a spirit. You have a flesh. But God also enabled us with the soul. And your soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. Alright? And so, the battle to be a believer doesn't happen with what's in my wallet. Doesn't happen with what's going on in my house. Doesn't happen with what's going on in my body. The battle of a believer happens in the soul. And it's at a gate because this is what happens. Whoever wins the battle of a believer at the gate... Will determine which way it's about to go. You're either going to go back into beautiful, or you're going to go back into death. Right. And this is why why we know that the battle was there is because this. She was carrying the coffin, and she was crying. So the battle was going on in her soul. But even though she was brokenhearted, she was grieving and hurting. She was fighting that battle. She refused to put a lid on it because she believed that Jesus wouldn't let it end that way. Your emotions are always, always going to try to fight. This is the way it happens. Your mind will tell you, well, he died. I mean, this is a great one, the devil will lie. He died. It must be God's will for you to just get past this and get on. And you know, or, or, you know... Boy, he died and God didn't do it and you know, God doesn't do that anymore. You catch yourself going through all these thoughts. If you don't stop that battle as a believer right there in your mind and say, That's not who God is, right, right. next thing it does is moves into your emotions. Yeah. Uh-huh. See, and she was dealing with real stuff. Her son had died and her emotions were showing it. Jesus stepped up and said, and said he had compassion on her, the first thing he told her was this, Hey, let's align your emotions. With your spirit, and let's get them out of aligning with your flesh. Now, I'm a dad and I got daughters. I got to go real fast in this. I got daughters, and I'm not an emotional guy. Jennifer says I have two emotions I'm fine or I'm mad. All right, that's the only two I have. And my girls, though, have thousands every day. (laughs) And so I find myself in a world of emotions. But what I do, a lot of times, I used to be like, you know, I would say, get on to them or something, and they'd start crying. Just the other day, Isla was in my truck, and we stopped, drove to the donut shop. She got a chocolate milk. I moved my Red Bull out of my cup holder and said, all right, baby, when you open it, put it right here so it don't spill. She opened it and dumped the whole thing in my truck. I looked over at her, and instantly, she, just I just got on was like, Stop crying, baby. Stop crying. All right? She instantly moved into the negative side of failure. And I was saying, don't cry, don't cry. Jesus walked up to her, had compassion, but He was saying, don't cry. That sounds hard. Let me give you parents, just a, especially dads, just a little bit of information that I'm having to learn myself. Um, do you know how narcissists are born or created? Narcissists are created when parental figures don't allow their children to express emotions. And that's see, that's like with me. I'm always like, girls, stop crying, stop crying. But... They need to cry. Because if you internalize emotions, what happens is the emotions of the child, the parents don't let kids have emotions. They internalize all those emotions and all those emotions stay on the inside and just focus back on them. So everything they feel is about them. So parents, just letting you know, it's healthy for you to, the Bible says you cry with, when they cry, you mourn when they mourn. It's, it's okay for people to have emotions. It was taught to me growing up, you're spiritually strong if you don't. I'm going to be honest with you, that's not healthy. But Jesus walked up here and she, her emotions were lining up with defeat and not with victory. So He said, stop crying. I can usually tell in the battle of me going from death to life, which one's going to win where, by where, who I let my emotions align with. Does this make sense? If I let my emotions align up, with the defeated side of what I'm going through, it's only a matter of time before my will follows. It's your mind, your will, and your emotion is your soul. When the, when the battle gets into my emotions, I have to stop and make a choice as a believer that yes, what's going on is happening, but I'm going to align myself with what God's Word says, and I'm not going to accept what defeat says. And when you can get to this point, your life begins to shift and change. Right. And this is what the Bible said. Jesus walked up. He said, don't cry. In other words, hey, let's get what's going on aligned to your spirit and not aligned to your flesh. Right. right. And when she aligned it there, this is what the Bible said. Jesus walked up and he put his hand on the coffin. Well. All right, that's weird because Jesus usually touched people, not coffins. So what was he saying about touching this coffin? Because when he touched it, a miracle didn't happen. The miracle didn't happen until he called the boy. Why did he touch the coffin? Because what a coffin is, a coffin is a vehicle that will take you away from God's plan for your life. They were carrying that boy in something that was taking him away from God's will for his life. Was God's will wasn't for him to be in the grave. God's will was for him to be alive. But what he was put in was taking him opposite of what God had for him. What does that represent? I'm here to tell you this. And the life of a believer is an amazing life. But if the enemy can convince you to allow something to be in your life that takes you opposite of the will of God for your life, you'll never live the life that God has for you. Coffin represents sin. Because for the wages of sin is death. Man, if you wanting to live a supernatural, miraculous life, you're going to have to decide that it's okay for Jesus to walk up and touch sin in my life. Because if I let Him deal with my sin, it can change the direction of my future. And Jesus only touches things that are taking you the wrong way. And a lot of people ask me all the time, what is sin? What is sin? Is this sin? Is this...? The Bible says that him that knows the good and does it not, to him it is sin. There's not an actual list. There is lists of sin in the Bible. But what it's really saying is, these things will cause this. Right. But the definition of sin is, to him that knows do good and does it not, to him it is sin. Is what the Bible says. So the areas of my life that God starts touching, like, Cricket, you don't need to be watching that TV show anymore. Or, Cricket, you don't need to be running around with those people anymore. Or, Cricket, you need to quit doing this. Or, Cricket, you need to remove this out of your life. When the Holy Spirit begins to touch things like that in your life and you don't want God to deal with them, you want to push off that conviction or shake it away or try to throw even grace on top of it to make you feel better about it, I'm here to tell you, no matter how much you're believing in miracles, it still sin will take you opposite of the direction of God in your life. So you've got to be willing to let God touch the coffins. Let him deal with your issues that are leading you away from what God's called you to. Let him deal with the secret things that nobody else knows about. Let him deal with those things. Let him put his hand on it. Let him begin to work with it. And let him remove them. Because when he removes them, then that what happens is, when the top's off, you're able to live the life. There are all kinds of things and all kinds of ways that believers put lids on God doing miracles in that one past experience is is one that will keep God from doing miracles in your life. If you believe what God did yesterday, you can't do anything else. It puts a lid on it. Number 2 is your 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 history of seeing God do things in your life will put a lid in your life. In other words, you've never seen God heal anybody physically. Therefore, you can't believe that he can heal you physically. I'm here to tell you God heals people physically. You say, well, Cricket, I don't know nobody. Start running with believers. Okay. Believers lay hands on sick and they recover. We try to put God in a box and want Him to work through our experiences. And when God is saying, listen, if you'll take the lid off, there's nothing I won't do in your life. Another picture of it is shown in the Bible, and I'm done. Another picture is shown in the Bible when there's a young man or a guy comes to Jesus and says, Jesus, will you heal my son? He says, your disciples have been praying and nothing's happened. See, some of us get a lid on our life because we've been praying for something for a long time and other people have prayed with us on it and nothing's happened. I'm here to tell you, if you keep the lid off and you just keep walking, it's a matter of time before Jesus is going to show up at that gate and give that miracle. But this is what I said. He says, but my son, when we get close to the fire, he throws himself in it. When we get close to the water, he throws himself in it. And Jesus said this. He said, if you can only believe, anything is possible. A believer's life is this. One that chooses that anything is possible for God. Well, I've never known God to do it. It don't matter. I'm going to believe. God can do anything. Do you know the woman with the issue of blood? She... No one had ever been healed by touching a hem of the garment. No one ever. So why did it happen? Because she believed. The Bible says, And she said to herself, She chose in the battle at the gate over spirit and flesh, That if I can but touch the hem of His garment, I'm going to believe that if I can get close enough to Jesus, Even if there's something in between me and Him, I'm going to get healed. She chose to believe. And something that God had never done before, He did. And this is what the guy said he said, "I believe and I could ask everybody in here today how many of you guys believe God still heals and probably everybody raise their hand. but when the doctor tells you you have cancer, it's hard at that moment for you to believe that he will. It's not that he can. We believe God can He'll get it. but what happens is the enemy moves us into a place where we don't believe God will. And when if you don't believe that God will, you align with that will. The man there in that story said this, I believe, then he said this, but help my unbelief. Now, again, going back to the way she saw Jesus. She saw Jesus as Lord, which means He's in control. And that's not a good sign. Because, honestly, none of us like to be controlled. But the thing about Him being Lord is, it's a two-sided coin. Alright? So yes, her seeing Jesus as Lord was him get to, he gets to be in control. But it also on the other side mean he's responsible. Before I got married, I rented. I didn't know and I wasn't smart enough then. My wife had to get me smart enough to buy instead of rent. Alright? So when we got married, first thing she said, We gotta buy a home, we gotta buy a home. I said, baby, I love renting because I like renting. Because when I rented, that meant something. I gave somebody money. And if anything broke they had to take care of it. All right? Cuz they were my land lord. If the air conditioner broke, I didn't have to shell out the money. I just had to make phone call. If the if the refrigerator went out, I didn't have to pay for it. I just made phone call because I had a land lord. That means the property that was there, he was lord over, he was in control of. He could put me out with a letter anytime he wanted to. Right? But he also was responsible for it. And anything that went wrong, the Lord had to take care of. And it. it works this way. She didn't see Jesus as my controller. She saw Jesus as my the one that's responsible for my future. And she was carrying her future on her shoulder and she didn't put a lid on it because she knew the Lord is not going to let it end this
1: way. And when you...
0: you know it cannot end this way it may be bad today it may be bad tomorrow but I'm not going to put a lid on it because if He's my Lord I know at some point He will show up and He's going to turn this thing back to beautiful she never made it to the graveyard with that boy because that was her future she went back into the city rejoicing the Bible says the whole city came out I want to put this before you what lid has the enemy convinced you to live under what lid some of us have a hard time believing that God can actually make you happy and you're not happy because you can't believe that God can You. some of us believe that we're never going to be financially secure so we try to pinch and scrap and save every dollar we can just to make it through what we got to go through man that's tough living You're going to go through hard stuff. The question is, will you take the lid off so that when you're going through it, your Lord can come in and take care of what you can't take care of? And that's what a believer does. I get up every day now. I wish I could tell you I've done this my whole Christian life. I haven't. I'm just learning what a life of a believer is supposed to look like. And man, I'm blessed. I am. I was personally able today. I'm just going to be honest. I'll just say it. I was personally able today to give a $1,000 away. Just give it away. Until I understood that I'm a believer and that God supplies all my needs and that He's an abundant God and He blesses me to be a blessing. Man, I couldn't do that because I would be so afraid that I wasn't going to make my bills. You say, well, you didn't give me none. Well, get closer to God. and When He tells me to, I will. <laughs> But I can tell you this, choosing to believe is the only life worth living if you're saved. And you live in a life of a believer, as you say, Lord, you get to be in control. But also, you have to take care of. It. And so I'm going to let you be that in my life because there are things I can't take care of in my life that I need a Lord involved in. My health, my wealth, my kids, my future, my marriage. No matter how amazing of a husband I am, I'm still not good enough to keep this marriage together. I need the Lord involved in it. My job, my finances, the economy, my health. I need the Lord involved in it. But a believer knows He's not my Savior, He's my Lord. And I'll do what He says because He's going to take care of what I can. And that's simply what a believer does. He gets up every day and takes the lid off. And when you take the lid off, it gives God the opportunity. Where areas are, do you got a lid on? And I'm close. What areas do you got a lid on? I, I, I'm just going to go. you got to understand this. The two major issues in the church today where Christians are not living like believers is number one in health. We have more sick Christians than we've ever had. And number two is wealth we got more broke Christians than we ever have. So, this is what you do. If you know God wants you to have a Zoe life, which is a fruit-producing life, you have to look in the area of your life where you're lacking, that there's a lid on, and you have to choose to remove that lid. In the area of health, if you're battling cancer, sickness, and disease, you need to get in the Bible, and that be your main focus until you feel the lid pop off. Because you will. That's what will happen. You'll, you'll get in the Word and you'll find every scripture on healing. And then it will... If you go back and listen to the late greats. Have you ever listened to Oral Roberts' testimony about how he got healed? It said he was laying in his bed, riffled with disease dying and he was reading in his Bible as a little boy and he just kept seeing all the way through it that God heals God heals God heals he said I just decided God heals and boom the top popped off and that man had the greatest healing ministry in the nation of my lifetime you'll feel the top pop off when you get the lid broken over that area I remember the day financially that the top popped off my lid I used to be broke and I thought broke and I acted broke and man I struggled in the area of finances and I made a lot of money I was making over six figures and I was still broke because I had a lid and what I finally decided was I'm tired of being broke so I got in the scriptures and found out what the
1: word says about finances
0: or don't do this one because when it comes to finances, he's very clear, and finances is tough. But I'm here to tell you, man, I'm not poor. I'm a rich guy. And I ain't proud. I ain't bragging. I'm telling you, God has blessed me. I do very good. And why is that? Because the top popped off of what I believe God could do, and when the top popped, I started believing that God would bless me. And man, I got people calling me and wanting me to come do jobs that, honestly, I don't have histories. and I, I repair more elevators in a week than I do right now anything else. And I'm not an elevator repair guy. That's weird that they call me. Why? Because elevator repair guys make $500 an hour. That's weird that they call me. But I get called to do it all the time. Why? Because the top popped. And I believe that my God can do anything. Anything. There's nothing my God can't do. And so why would they pay me the prices they pay me to do things that I haven't been to school to do? And I'm not saying don't go... If you ain't been to medical school, don't go apply to be a doctor. Alright? I'm not saying... What I'm saying is this. God provides for me supernaturally above my understanding. Why not? Because I'm that great of an earner. It's because, honestly... And in the area of finances, it takes him being Lord, is I faithfully pay my 10%. I bring my 10% to the Lord and pay my tithes. That instantly, at that point, puts a, a blessing over my life. But then I don't stop there. The Word of God says that if I will give, He will give back.
1: And then it. When I saw that Jesus was telling me to do these things,
0: When that's what I do, when the Lord tells me to give a number, I always go back to that generous number and I add to it. Does that make sense? Because, see, if the Lord's telling me to give $10, I'm just giving y'all some practical here. Is that okay? If the Lord tells me to give $10, I add 10 to it. Why? Because the 10 is what He's asking me for. But the other 10 is me being generous. And the Bible says, and the blessings that come to a generous giver, is different than the one that comes to a giver. One of my favorite stories in the Bible about finances is there's a man in Acts that says that he was a generous man. Cornelius was a generous man. That's why his reputation, not holy, not smart, generous. And because he was a generous man, God sent Paul to his house to deliver the Holy Spirit to him personally. Man, that meant the power of God began to work in His entire family. I'll tell you, see, in the area of God, God wants you to be blessed. I'm here to tell you that. Quick, get out of your mind that God wants you to be broke. You're not a believer if you think God wants you to be broke. The Bible says that God takes pleasure in the prosperity of His people. God don't want you to be broke, but most Christians are broke because they won't let Lord be Lord in their finances. They just want God to give them And they just, like he did salvation. But when it comes to finances, nope, he's got to be Lord. You got to do it his way and then you become his responsibility. And God, I I can honor this. I'm not bragging on myself, but I'm telling you this. And if you're around me enough, you know it's true. There's not been a Sunday for the last six months that I have not given cash or given a gift to somebody in the last six months. Not because I get paid that much. It's because I get blessed that much. I'm here to tell you, See, it's, it's a different lifestyle all right? in the area of health. Man, you may be hurting, but every time you let your mouth speak it, you are, you are putting a lid on what God can do. When it's in finances, what it comes down to is this. Finances, it comes down to obeying what He says. In healing, it comes down to this, confessing what He says. When you don't... That's why the church... I'm telling you... That's why the church struggles with these two areas more than any any other two areas in believing. Health and finances. One, we can't believe that if we give like God says, He will do what He says. We don't believe it. And number two, health. We can't speak what He says in the area of health because it's too easy to speak what we feel. And if you would change those two things, finances and health, those problems will never be. Now, in your marriage... Him being Lord, there's a lot of crucifying you're going to have to do. Bible says this, and you know, believers have to let Him be Lord. Like in my marriage, Bible says that my wife's supposed to submit to my husband. I love that scripture. Love it. And most of us quote that one, because submit doesn't mean uh, uh, me Lord over. Submit means they're to partner up and come into submission. In other words, they get behind the mission. Men, that you don't have a mission for God at work in your life, your women don't have a choice. They don't have anything to submit under. Does that make sense? Submit means get behind your mission. I've never met a man that got a mission for God in their life that their wife didn't support. But we always want that. But then the next scripture says this Husbands, love your wives as Christ loves the church. You know what that means? Every day I should get up and lay my life down for my wife and my kids. Their desires and their needs should be over mine. Their happiness... I'm going to tell you, if I do those, those two scriptures, I set out a
1: godly mission for our family that my wife
0: She's lined up behind every one of the submissions that I've ever laid out of the mission that God called our family to be. Alright? But then every day I get up and I have to lay my life down saying, God, I thank you. I apply the blood of Jesus over my wife and over my kids. I go before the Lord and I cover them. And then I ask God how I can serve them better as a husband the way Christ has served me. Yeah. Yeah. And man, I'm telling you, you have the best marriage in the world. I know we're done, but this is why I'm saying Where has God put a lid in your life? If you'll take the lid off, I'm telling you, your Lazarus will come out, your boy will rise up, your daughter will come out. I mean, the tomb was meant to destroy, but when they opened it up, God was able to bring Zoe life out of it. Your darkest situation right now can become your very best if you'll just take the lid off. You say, God, however you want to do it, however you want to be, wherever you want to do it at, however, I totally leave that end open for you and I'm just going to keep walking in it until you do. Amen. Does that make sense for you? Keep walking in it until He does. I want to pray over you right now. I want to pray right now. I want to pray this. That right now in the Spirit and I feel prophetic. I know this is an odd message, but I feel like in the Spirit that God wants to break some lids off of your life today. There's been spirits of poverty sitting on people. There's been spirits of sickness setting on people. There's been lids that you've been living under that God is saying right now that if you'll let the lid come off, you will begin to trust me and believe that I can change it. I believe in this season God will. You say, well, how do you do that? This is the easiest way to do it. You get a notebook out and you write in that notebook what it would look like if you didn't have a lid in that area of your life. Does that make sense? Financially, what will your house look like? What will your car look like if you didn't have a poverty lid? Relationship wise, if you didn't have a, a broken heart lid put on to where you just keep making the same choice over and over again. You know you got a lid. If you're single, you know you got a lid romantically in your life. Is If every person you date is the same person with just a different face. You ever met anybody like that? That every guy they date the exact same. They just look different. That's a lid. Because something in their past has put a lid on them. That makes them think they deserve to be treated that way. Does that make sense to you? This is what it says. He said, but help my unbelief. And then Jesus made this statement. He said, some miracles only come about by prayer and fasting. Well, we've been taught many times that that miracle... Was really the miracle of healing. Jesus saying, "Well, sometimes I can only heal if you've been praying, fasting." That's not what that says, because Jesus had already cast out demons. Jesus had already healed people. He wasn't talking about the sick boy. He was talking about the father's unbelief. He said, "This is the biggest miracle I'm going to do here today. Is I'm going to change your unbelief. I'm going to take the ceiling off of your situation." He said this. That only comes by prayer and fasting. What is prayer and fasting? Prayer is one, you getting close enough to God to have a conversation. And two, you being willing to push anything out of your way to keep you from getting there. Does that make sense? So really, your miracle and your breaking off of your lid determines how close you get to God. You know, if I'm standing across a room and I need to pick up a big weight that I can't pick up and I'm looking a long way off away. weight... I might think, Ah, he ain't big enough to come help me. But stand up, Wade. The closer I get to Wade, the bigger Wade gets. (laughs) Look at this. Does anybody help me? This man's a foot taller than everybody in here. See, I'm saying that's the way God works. The closer you get to God, the bigger God gets. And you can start seeing that He can save my wife. He can change my boss. He can give me that house. He can heal this disease. The closer you get... So it says it's some miracles only come about by the positioning and how close you're willing to get to Jesus. Believers know that. That's why when you find a believer that heard Jesus was passing by, they ran to Him. The woman with the issue of blood heard Jesus was coming by. She was a believer. She believed if I can but touch Him. So she pushed through all that stuff just to touch Him to get healed. Man, I'm telling you, believers live supernaturally if believers will realize that all I have to do is take the lid off and then it's a matter of time. Take the lid off. Amen? Father God, I ask you right now to supernaturally remove lids. I ask you to remove the lid of bitterness, of unbelief, of past experiences, of things and past failures and past letdowns. I ask you, Father God, to remove the lid of past expectations of the future that weren't met. I think you to release the The lid of, Father God, not knowing that you care enough. I ask you to remove the lid of believing and dreaming again. In the mighty name of Jesus. We take the lid off, Father. And we ask you, Holy Spirit, to reveal to each one of us every place the enemy has put a lid on. Because we are to live at another level than what the enemy said we're to live at. So Father God, I thank you that everyone coming out of what they feel like is a beautiful situation and the future looks bleak, I thank you that you have appointed a time that you're going to show up in their situation and with their lid off, you're causing life to flow again. In the mighty name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Hey guys, do you receive it? You you just say, say, take the lid off. That's what I'm going to start telling people. When people are telling me what their problems are, I'm going to say, man, you see, take that lid off. Take the Believe God can turn this thing. I'm telling you, you know what one of the biggest lids my dad had for a long time is that cricket would ever serve the Lord. That was a true statement. All the kids were going to serve the Lord, but cricket. But man, then they took the lid off and they believed as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. And man, I'm in the ministry now.
1: That's the craziest lid I've ever seen.
0: Take the lead. Amen? Yep. alright guys hey I love you we start next week with summer revival you can get up I'm just going to talk over you we're going to start the week off next Sunday with summer revival I know it's 4th of July I encourage everybody to vacate if they can you say well cricket I can't afford it take the lid off start asking God to supply enough money for you to go on a vacation and let me go to another level this is just total practical man plant a seed toward it find somebody or somewhere you can say God I'm going to plant this seed and believe that you're going to turn in a return for me to be able to go on a vacation. I'm telling you, I'm going on one today. I'm going to spend today and tomorrow at a water park then I'm going back to work. But I believe every believer should be on a vacation and enjoy. This life was not meant to struggle. And God made the ocean so beautiful and the mountains so amazing and the things here for your pleasure. He gets pleasure out of you. He gave us all that other stuff for your pleasure. So start believing that God wants you to enjoy your life. Man, I'm telling you, I don't go fishing without believing God's going to let me catch a big one. I don't go hunting without believing God's going to let me shoot a big one. I've decided I'm not going to do anything without believing that God's not going to make it the most amazing experience I've ever had. You know what? I, I, I'm working on this one, though. i got to stop believing that every time I go to work, it's going to be a hard day. A lot of us have put lids on our life because we get up getting dressed for work and think, Oh, my goodness, it's going to be a tough day today. So guess what you get? Exactly what you believe. I'm telling you, you've got to choose what you believe. The battle's won in the soul at the gate. And it'll either be good or bad. It's up to you. Amen? That's the life of a believer. You're
1: dismissed.